listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Bauckham. This is the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the program designed to help you save your relationship based on the material in my Save the Marriage system. That system has been helping people for over 20 years, almost 20 years, to save their relationship, and it's gone around the globe. I've been refining it over those 20 years, was already refining it for 10 years before that, and during that process, have had the chance to refine it by bringing in lots of coaches into my program. I have a staff of coaches that are here helping people every day around the world to save their relationship. And every now and then, I take the time to introduce you to them and have a conversation. Today is no different. Today, I'm introducing you to Terry Hayes. Terry is one of my seasoned coaches. And not only that, but Terry is one of those coaches I go to when I'm stuck. We talk it out and, and she helps me move forward because that's one of her specialties, getting people unstuck. So today as I talk with Terry, she'll tell you how she got into coaching, used to be in business and found herself evolving into a place where she needed to be to help other people. But more than that, she gives you some nuggets of advice on how to get unstuck wherever you are in your relationship. So now let's jump over to my interview with Terry Hayes. Terry, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to have a, a chance to uh, to talk with you to to get some information about how you got to here, and also to share some uh, important stuff with couples who are going through. Uh, Terry, you've been a coach with me since uh, since the beginning. So let's talk a little <laughs> bit about how you got to here. You know, I think it's always interesting how people get to coaching, and so just tell us a little bit about how you became a coach and basically how you got to here. Uh, very naively. <laughs> I'll start with, I'll That's start always with dangerous. Naively. Yeah, my disclaimer, very naively. So I actually come from a uh, kind of a multifaceted background of uh, retail management. And in in my re- years in retail, and I mean, I started in retail when I was like 15. So uh, I had always sort of gravitated towards training, helping people with sales conversations, uh, training service and support, training uh, really just bringing teams together. It was kind of a team thing. And when I left retail, I left retail to go into business for myself with my uh, husband, uh, who's a contractor and we created a construction company. So like the total exact opposite, right? From high touch retail sales to this sort of, uh, I'll just sit in the office and be the office person, uh, you know, everybody else goes out with hammers and drills and does, (laughs) does their sort of thing. Uh, And I noticed that I started to feel very, very isolated. Now, uh, a lot of people will probably relate to this. This was back when junk mail used to actually be delivered by the postman on a regular basis as opposed (laughs) to in our inboxes. But um, when you own a business, it's sort of like blood in the water. I mean, all the sharks start to circle (laughs) and send you everything. And I got this, uh, this flyer in the mail and it was something like how to be the world's most amazing front office person. And I chuckled cause I'm, I'm, you know, I'm it right front, back side office. It's all me. <laughs> and I thought to myself, who teaches this? Mm. It, you know, how does this become a topic? And I flipped the little flyer thing over and it listed off that the instructor was uh, trained at a coaching Institute. And I froze, I mean, literally could feel the blood draining out of my head realization holy cow, this is something that people get paid to do. And I suddenly just had this like, 
burst of energy, jumped on the internet, started researching. By the next morning, I was enrolled in a professional coach training program, and that was 2001. (laughs) And the odyssey began. And the odyssey began, yeah, because it really just was the culmination of the the kind of high-touch, high human involvement stuff that I loved and I was missing so badly running the construction company. Um, but it was also some training. There was really te- the, the t- training teaching piece was in there. Uh, you know, I, all of the elements of what I had been doing my whole life, probably clear back to grade school, you know, navigating who gets to play with the marbles first. But, <laughs> you know, but uh, it just it was such a perfect sudden synchronization. And the rest, as they say, is history. That's one of those uh, common pieces, I think, with coaches is that we somewhere along the way realize that that's what we've been doing all our lives. We just didn't know it was that. And so something clarifies it for you, the flyer that not really the flyer, but the flyer that had some information about who was doing some training. Yeah. And that puts you on the Odyssey. So at that point, you did some training. Talk a little bit about your your training and what you've done uh, coaching wise during during that uh, what we are past uh a decade and a half. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> 15 plus years yeah. now. Well, so I went into coaching actually with very clear intention. I had just come out of a very difficult caregiving situation with my own grandfather. And so I went into coaching with a lot of clarity about wanting to help and support people around caregiving, end of life issues, rest of life, best of life type, uh, you know, post-retirement conversations. And it was fresh on my mind. It was very important to me. I had a lot of passion for it. And when I got into school, of course, you know, you learn all the basics first. And I have to tell, I mean, I was a terrible student. I was so intimidated. I see, I mean, if you can imagine now, right? Everybody laughs. I say, I was really quiet. (laughs) And everybody goes, sure you were. (laughs) And I'm like, no, no, I really was. I was really quiet. I was really intimidated because there was so much to learn. And, you know, when you're dealing with people, you want, you have such a huge passion to want to do well by them and really help them and support them. And so, um, you know, there's a, there's a lot to it. And I struggled the whole first year, the whole first year I was a, just a really mediocre to, to less than desirable student, uh, because I couldn't get out of my own way about it. All my own thoughts, my own beliefs, my own worries, my own judgments. And, um, right around the end of that first year, a couple of big cathartic processes happened. And, um, I will definitely say that I learned firsthand how important it is to get out of your own way in your pursuit of something you really want. And um, I'm grateful I learned that early on because it's the thing I work most with my clients on now is, is how to get out of their own way mm-hmm. um, when, when they're contributing to the problem. So which brings me to um, kind of an interesting thing about what you see as your role. And you may have just named it, but talk some about what you see as the role of the coach. You know, the the role of the coach, there's some of it that's teaching and training. There's a, there's a piece of it that's that. There's a piece of it that is providing that 30,000-foot perspective that is so important. And I kind of akin it to like a map, you know, a map journey. If you're heading down a road and there's all these speed bumps and you're focused on getting over the speed bumps, there's nobody holding the focus to say, well, and you're on the wrong road, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You know, yeah. or... Or, or it is the right road, stay the course. I know that those speed bumps are frustrating, but, you know, you're, you're three quarters of the way there, so hang tight. 
coaches bring their wisdom, at least I do as, as a coach, I think we bring our life wisdom to it for sure, but also the educational and strategic wisdom of how certain processes usually, quote unquote, right, uh, play out. And, and so we bring that perspective of experience and uh, help support the client to make their best decisions. And, and and that to me is the best part is it's not trying to run out and have a bunch of people like live their lives like little mini me's. It's to say, what is, what is your truth? What do you want? Wh- where do you create the pockets of decision-making in your own life that get you the results that you want? Yeah. There's that 30,000 foot view gives you the option of saying, let me talk about this pattern that I'm seeing develop. And right. <laughs> do, you, do you want to keep doing the pattern? <laughs> or right. is there a different way to th- do that? You and I have talked many times about um, the, the coach as helping somebody get unstuck. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like what you're describing is the many processes to do that, to helping someone see how they get in their own way, uh, as much as there might be some other obstacles in life, but how, how they get out of their own way. Yeah, you know, and, and it really comes back to, like you said, it's the perspective piece. So the old classic, you know, argument over do you squeeze the tube of toothpaste from the middle or the end? As long as that becomes the target of the conversation, then it's like the middle, the end, the yeah, middle, the yeah. end, the middle, the end. And versus how do we want to handle arguments? Right. Right. That's the bigger question. How do we as a couple want to handle disagreements? And How do we want to treat each other in those moments? And to say, you know, what really is this about? I, I, I remember I, I years ago had a couple that came in and that was one of their things, you know, squeezing the toothpaste. And I simply said, do you think you could afford a second tube? So each of you have your own separate ones. <laughs> there was that realization that they had frozen into something, a pattern that they didn't need to be entered into. And I think that is so often the case that some outside perspective can say, can you just see how you keep getting that same stuck place. Right. And I think that people think that there's only like one option, right? Like either they have to give in to my way or I have to give in to their way. And, and it's like, well, one, you could afford two tubes Two, you could both switch to a pump mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> three, three, you could actually ask yourself a hard question, which is even though I think my partner is completely insane for squeezing in the middle, can I love them enough to let them make that choice? Right. Right. There, it's, so there's not one right path out. There's as many right paths out as you can possibly imagine. Uh, more than that, there are as many paths and you get to choose which one is the right one for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I like I like really this is the creative part of it. Right. The creative part of coaching for me is working with clients to find what works for them. Right. We get to build all sorts of interesting things. I mean, everything from from uh, affirmations to daily practices to wall portraits. I mean, you name it and everything in between. So uh, kind of circling back a little bit, because you you stepped in a little bit to your favorite part of coaching, but I realized that um, your your profession, uh, your professional life of being a coach isn't just about coaching. You also are a coach to coaches and training of coaches. Mm Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about how that forms you as a coach. Oh, wow. Um, I, I, you know, again, like I said earlier, I didn't come into coaching thinking I was going to become a coach educator or a coach's coach. Uh, Fell into that quite 
miraculously, discovered that the niche that I was going into, while very rewarding, was also exhausting. And I said, man, I need to break this up a little bit. I've got to do something. And I'd had a couple of people who I was in study groups with be like, wow, you're really good at this. You know, <laughs> you, you should teach. And uh, that I sort of took that cue and really started to become a coach's coach and an educator. And I've been doing that a little over, well, a little over 12 years now. And being able to see both sides, right? Be a coach who has a practice and works with clients, but also train coaches. Uh, I have seen over and over again, not only the depth and the breadth of what coaching can do, but the depth and the breadth of how much your own sort of limited perspective of things can gum up the works. I mean, we have to be really honest about uh, becoming solopreneurs or entrepreneurs. You know, the statistics are not stellar for people going into business for themselves. And so that's hard enough on its own. Uh, all of the, th the thoughts and the fears and the things that get in our way and we don't want to be rejected and we don't want to make a mistake and, you know, on and on and on. Uh, so watching my colleagues go through those processes, it just reaffirms for me that even the most I mean, truly, truly educated and enlightened people I've ever met still have a profound ability to get in their own way. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that is a humbling thing for somebody to uh, say, you know, I need a coach and a less humbling thing to recognize that we all probably could use a coach at many points in our lives because sure. we all get in our own way when we can't have that. It's hard to have a 30,000 foot view when you're dealing with what's right in front of you, which is where the coach comes in for a different perspective. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. You know, lots of people have said, um, to some extent you, you can self coach, right? That's what self help is all about mm -hmm. is our ability to sort of make choices and pay attention to our own, our own behavior, sort of raise our consciousness around it. But when it gets to the stuff that really is triggering you, you can't coach yourself. You yeah. can't do it. There's no way to do it. Uh, because you can't even see that it's an issue other than sort of a vague kind of something's wrong here. And I feel like I could, should be doing something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, so, and you know, I, uh, the other day I was at a, a practice and, and somebody came up and said, you know, you're, it was a physical activity. And somebody said, you know, you got your leg in the wrong place. And I said, really? He said, yeah, it's in the wrong place. I said, oh, man, I can't feel it. Show me where it should be. So he placed it there and he looked at me. He said, you know why you didn't know it was in the wrong place? I said, no. He said, because you can't see it from where you are. <laughs> I said, yes. well, I guess you're right. And he said, yeah. I can see it from here. So let me help you. And I think that's the coach piece, you know, that uh, let me let me help you understand it from an outside perspective, which l leads me to something that always interests me. What what exactly is it that you see as kind of your favorite part of this coaching process? Absolutely. Uh, I think the, the realization moment when people understand that they can have their lives play out very differently and it doesn't mean that they have to abdicate who they are and become someone else. Mm -hmm. It's that they just have to tap the more creative, more deliberate part of themselves. And to me, that's huge. I mean, really, it is the moment when people people go, well, don't, shouldn't we, aren't you supposed to, and you know, they're kind of putting all these barriers and obstacles up and just the freedom of going, well, what if you didn't or no, you don't have to, yeah. you, you can do something totally or radically different. And I have watched people, particularly it through around marital crisis, come up with the most outrageously out of the box processes that work perfectly for them. 
uh, negotiating things that, you know, I think in, in normal, polite conversation, you would just never even think that you, quote unquote, needed to have some sort of a conversation about or a negotiation around. And yet by doing it, by, by negotiating the toothpaste tube, right? Like, mm-hmm. come on, seriously, can't we get past that? You know, like that's the thinking. But by ne- negotiating the toothpaste tube, suddenly everything else falls in place. Yeah. Like yeah. six other things fall in place. And then the habit of um, this is how we negotiate. We get creative together. And we don't take no as an answer. We find a way. And that's inspiring. Yeah, yeah. It's that lights on thing when they, they suddenly get it and, and realize that we often do – how we do one thing is often how we do everything. Right. So when yeah, we change that's it, the truth, right? <laughs> yeah. So when we change that one, one place, suddenly everywhere gets a little shift. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you think about your kind of your ideal client, what 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 do you think about as your ideal client? Um, clients that are open to getting messy. My ideal client is unafraid. They're unafraid to tell you the, the real truth. If they're angry, they're going to say I'm angry. If they're afraid, they're going to say I'm afraid. They're not going to hold back and say, oh, I shouldn't be afraid about this. So I, I can't say anything. I'm going to get judged about it or what, which by the way, coaches don't do guys. Uh, (laughs) For those of you listening, this is not a coaching thing. Coaches don't do that. Um, So it's, I just love clients that are just unafraid. They're just ready to get in, get messy, tell the truth, look at the warts and sit with the uncomfortable because on the other side of the uncomfortable is where choice comes. Right. I mean, the first thing that sends us into unconscious behavior is we get uncomfortable about something. Yeah. So, and so we're off in unconsciousness. <laughs> you know, that's it. You, you said uh, we don't judge, uh, but yeah. uh, we do nudge. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just nudging. Just nudging. Yeah, we'll keep nudging. Uh, so you're looking for that openness and the willing to uh, the willingness to look at the self and say, okay, where am I really stuck? Uh, that for you is is really kind of what qualifies someone to be the ideal client. Yeah, someone who's just willing to to sit and talk and and let me ask crazy questions that make them really think. I mean, that's really maybe that's even uncomfortable. Yeah. Make them uncomfortable. Yeah. Part, a part of being a coach, you know, I, I will have to say, and I say this from, you know, both sides of my experience as a, as a coach and as a coach educator, coaches are some of the most compassionate, kindest people I've ever met. And, you know, I, I know our industry doesn't have the same, uh, you know, tenant of first do no harm like our medical colleagues do, but, uh, so many coaches, they're so compassionate and so wanting to be supportive. Uh, it's when they're first starting out, I hate to break their bubble and say, yes, but your job is also to make your clients pretty uncomfortable yeah. because that's part of the job is to ask really hard questions. Um, because it's through the hard questions that a lot of the work gets done. Yeah. That sometimes compassion has to include the challenge. Correct. Yeah. Oh yeah. Always. Yeah. yeah. If, if the clients are answering questions too quickly, too easily, I need I need to step up my game. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now you've uh, been coaching couples uh, and people in relationships, even just one person in a relationship for a while. And uh, usually that means that there are some nuggets that you notice keep working kind of across the board. So is there are there a couple of pieces of, of information, of knowledge that you think that every couple should understand? Where do you start? Uh, Well, yeah, there are a couple. And that is, is that uh, both of you are operating, both of you are always operating 
um, at different levels of awareness or unawareness. And when somebody says, I didn't know, or I didn't see it, there's a lot of accuracy to that. And mm -hmm. people don't want to accept that. They want to be like, you had to know. You were supposed to know. Yeah. You were, you know, and there's like all these rules we put around it. But the truth is, is and, and this is what I always tell them. I said, you know, you have those moments in your life where somebody tells you something and you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And they tell you like 20 times and you go, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But you don't do anything. Right. And then some other person comes along and goes, hey, and tells you the same thing. And you're like, wow, why did nobody ever tell me that before? Yeah, yeah. And of course, the first person who was telling you that wants to kill you at that moment. Um, but it's true. We, we all know what that experience is like on one end or the other. We've either been one person or the other in that equation. Um, so... Just really the, you know, speaking of compassion earlier, have compassion for the humanity of your partner that when they, when they really didn't know, they didn't know, they didn't know. But now that they do, now is sort of that line in the sand of do better. Right. Yeah. And, and I do think that it's, it's hard sometimes to accept that people, I mean, change is hard for anyone and that, that it can be very obvious to somebody from the outside or even a spouse that something has to change. That doesn't mean it's so very obvious to the person <laughs> who keeps doing the same thing. And <laughs> so, Amen, brother. <laughs> and, and, you know, sometimes I've had people out, they'll come to my office and I'll say exactly what their spouse has been saying. And their spouse will cross their arms, look at him and said, I've been saying that for years. And then the spouse will look at me and say, well, why did it make a difference when you said it? Why is it so big that you said it? And my response usually is, have you ever thought that maybe you were, you were putting down the fertilizer all those years? So yes. <laughs> it was just the tipping point. Not, not that I made a difference as much as the difference is accumulative. Yeah. And, and of course, and that's the other piece of, of that equation is, and then they get mad. Like, why is it you took that piece of information yeah. from, from Dr. Bacham and you didn't take it when I said it, mm -hmm. you know, and they take it personally and it isn't personal. <laughs> just isn't personal it's it's we all we all have our own educational gestational period um you know sometimes we get to plant seeds sometimes we get to tend the crops sometimes we get to be there for the harvest there's no guarantee we get to do all three and that's how ideas work and how thoughts populate and um yeah it's a big one so i, I guess I, would, I guess one way of, of thinking about that is to say it, it isn't per, it is personal to the person who needs to make the change, not personal to the person <laughs> who hasn't been able to point it out so far. Right, right. And I know it feels that way, yeah. but it just, it just isn't. Got to reverse and, it. And, and I think the other thing that's really kind of the big nugget for me, and it does have to do with change, which is there is an actual physiological component to change. Change is not a light switch proposition. You don't walk over and go, oh, I have a new idea and now it's just ingrained in me and I'm going to be that way from this point forward. Um, it takes interrupting old thoughts that go through neural pathways that have been established for years or decades, catching them, rewriting them and practicing that for sometimes in, in just ridiculous amounts of time before it becomes the new default. And so I think that people's expectations around change, um, if you're a, if you're a partner expecting yourself to change or expecting your partner to change, uh, recognize that this is not a, a snap thing. This yeah. is not a oh I'm you said it I agree with you I'm done now I'll be this way forever. Um, people backslide. People you know get caught up in their own old emotional triggers. There's a lot that goes into change. Be compassionate about it. You have to jump out of the rut and then you have to stay out of the rut and that's that's the Hard. tough part. Yeah. 
Yeah. The cool thing is coaches have some ways of helping with that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we're we're there we're there to actually bring pro bars and test yeah. That's what I like to say. It changes our specialty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's really the the truth of coaching is change is our specialty. Um, and so if you're looking to change yourself or you're looking to have your relationship evolve or your partner wants to change or needs to change both of you or whatever, um, really, it's we we have an excellent tool set for that. We bring all the right crowbars and all the right tether ropes to keep people out of that rut again um, and and or at least make sure that they're at choice and conscious and awake to what the options are. Mm, yeah. So, Terry, this, uh, this has been great, um, and I'm sure everybody who's listening is going, that, wow, that's, that's us. So for some people, that wow, that's us is going to be, wow, that's us, and we need coaching. So uh, if something, if you're listening to this and something resonates about what Terry spoke about, Terry may be a good choice for you. Um, I always think that a, a really good time to get a coach is when you're stuck. And if you're listening here, you probably have some places that are stuck. So, Terry, what would be the best way of contacting you? Uh, email works best, and you can reach me at Terry, that's capital T, as in Tom. <laughs> I have one of those names, you know. You have to always say it's Terry, not Mary, Sherry, Perry. <laughs> <laughs> Terry. <laughs> T-E-R-R-I at SaveTheMarriage.com. Terry at SaveTheMarriage.com. Thank you, Terry. And so if that makes sense to you, uh, contact Terry and uh, have some chat with her about what working together would look like and uh, and see what changes come out of that and, and learn those techniques and styles of change that are not just about in this particular crisis, but can extend to all of your life. Okay, Terry, thanks for being here. Uh, I am so appreciative of what you bring to uh, my uh my program and also what you bring to the world in your coaching. So thank you for sharing that piece today. My pleasure. You've been listening to Save the Marriage podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. dot